This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Near Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening, and welcome to tonight's No Near Never podcast. I'm Jamie Smith, your host for tonight, and with me today are Nathan Rogers, Andrew Frost, and Chris Borden of the Bowling Express. Plenty on the agenda tonight, even though there was no game at the weekend, um, but we'll start off, as we always do, with Adam and the news. Okay, um, this week, uh, Michael Kitely is signed on a season-long loan from Stoke City. Kitely said, I've played under the, gaffer, under the gaffer before and I know what he's all about, so it was an easy decision to make for me. Scotland manager Gordon Strachan says Blackburn striker Jordan Rhodes has a broken hand ahead of the, the East Lancashire derby. There's also been an open letter from Burnley's co-chairman and that's where we'll start this evening. Back to you, Jamie. Yeah, big news point today really was this open letter that the co-chairman John B and Mike Garlic posted on the official website. Um, basically says that they want to improve communication with the fans, which is all good, but the contents of the letter are probably a little bit thin and don't seem to say that much. Um, Nathan, we'll start with you tonight, if that's okay. Have you had a look yeah, at the letter? Fine. What do you make of what's in that letter? Are you happy with it? Yeah, um, positive stuff, I guess. He's very honest and open um just i like the idea that they're trying to you know connect the fans and the board a little bit more um yeah i, I mean i've not really got too much to say on it you know he's just very honest and open it's saying, a starting you know, point isn't it they're obviously definitely, it's, yeah. it's more an introduction to what they're trying to do um yeah. if you got any thoughts on the letter andrew what did you make of what the co-chairman have had to say today um, well, I've only just had a chance to read it, actually, but like you said, it's a first one, introductory piece, so you weren't expecting any fireworks, really, but I just think it's a good step for the club to take, just being more proactive in their engagement with the fans. It's a positive step. Obviously, there wasn't much said within this one, but who knows, something that may come up in the future that may, may take a look back and think, wow, at least they're being honest with us, so just so. There's certainly positive signs in there. There's quite a bit about the the development on the youth side, which I'm sure a lot of fans will be happy to hear about. Um, but the line that stood out for me was, any profits and player sales will be reinvested in the running of the club and its long-term future. Um, Chris, you've probably got more of an insight into what the co-chairman are like than any of us. Uh, do you think that maybe means off-the-field stuff? We're not going to see much investment in the first team, I would suggest, from that. 
Well, I mean, just to just to start, I mean, it's, this open letter's been in the offing for uh, for a number of weeks now. I've been waiting for sort of an opportune moment to, for it for it to you know to be finalised and, and come out. I uh, got a message yesterday saying it would be coming out. Didn't get much time to digest it this morning. Literally had to just sub it into shape and uh, and put it on the inside back page. And uh, yeah, if you actually look at the contents, there's an awful lot that is, you know we want to sort of. Uh, extend upon really obviously the youth section and the, you know, as you mentioned the uh the profits from player sales but uh i mean that that i mean on the face of it that appears to say this this season you know we hope to pull back the uh you know the losses this season any profits from player sales will be reinvested obviously charlie you know wasn't inclu- included in the eight million loss uh so that'll be you know that's that's you know pretty much been invested back into the running of, of the club and so on and so forth so uh you know, fingers crossed that anything above and beyond, you know, we can uh, you can look to reinvest in in playing stuff. Well, it does say um, strong financial management will hopefully pull back the eight million loss this season. Um, Mike Gollick as well was on the official site quite recently saying that the aim is to break even this year, and that was obviously I think that was before the Charlie Austin money came in. Um, we did bid for Ashley Barnes of Brighton, didn't we? On on deadline day, so there must be some money available for players if if the right targets are available. Well, yeah, I mean, from speaking to my colleagues down down at Brighton, Andy Naylor, Brian Owen, uh, I mean, it was a bit of a it came as a bit of a surprise to them that that uh, that sort of uh, transaction that didn't go through in the end. Obviously, half a half a million pound was the third and final offer, you know, which is just a substantial uh, amount of money for Burnley at any given moment. Never mind, uh, you know. The, state of play financially at the minute but uh, as you say you know that that sort of uh, bit of a negotiation sort of late doors I think Stoke sort of uh, you know did Burnley a favour in the end and helped Burnley with the uh, the, the finance, finances of that deal you know in terms of like sort of uh, wages and bits and pieces like that so uh, you know the I said there is there is money available and fingers crossed that'll be used to uh, to bring in a centre forward uh, as soon as possible on the, when the in, in the uh, emergency loan market. Do you think Barnes is maybe still a goer or was it just Brighton unwilling to let him go at all? Well, I mean, you see again speaking to the guys down there. I mean, from back the back end of last week, uh, they were you know the sort of the, the noises coming out of Brighton where they were completely unwilling to do business. Purely because of the timing, you know, in, ability to get uh, a replacement in. They've only had one striker fit as well, haven't they? There's yeah, only I mean, we, we the fit that. when we played them. Yeah, I mean, obviously Buckley can play there as well. It plays sort of as a as a wide forward in a, in an emergency. You know, Barnes uh, just just about fit again now. You know, he would have would have left them very short, but he's in the last year of his contract. The Charlie scenario. He's a you know twenty three year old lad. You know, he's only a year younger than Charlie, but. Uh, the the window of opportunity for for them to get any money back uh, on him is decreasing. So uh, you know it's one of those. Do they agree a deal now on a on a, on a loan basis with a, with a view to? Do they wait till January, or do they uh, sort of assess his options again in the summer? Are there any other names that have have come up recently, and perhaps a loan move maybe when the window opens this week? Or has it all been a bit quiet? Well, the big one was Lingard, wasn't he? It was, it was sort of named, it's still his uh, name mentioned a lot online, yeah. Mm, but you never know how much there is in those. No, as far as I'm aware, I mean, as far as I'm aware, I mean that one's uh, unlikely. But uh, you, you never say never with uh, 
with transfer dealings. It may it may just be a you know a, a difference of opinion or you know some, something might just change that uh, sort of makes that a viable option again. But uh, it's it's all quiet on that front, I'm afraid. The manager does seem to like to keep these things to himself, though, doesn't he? He's not like some of the managers who like to do their dealings in the open. I get the feeling that if we do sign someone on loan, it might be someone that hasn't been mentioned at all and it just comes from nowhere. Yeah, there's every chance. I mean, he's he's been quite coy. Previous managers, I know Eddie Howe in particular, you could put a name to him and he'd say, "Well, you know, you can stand, you know, you can you can knock that down, or you can, you know, you know, you can stand that one up. You can uh, can go out on a limb on that one." But uh, you know, Sean, he, I think initial dealings with him when we were sort of running speculation, and you know, I don't think he was too amused initially. You know, he wanted us he wanted us to come to him. But you know, when we have so people like Dave Jones, uh, he was very coy about that one. You know, in a, in like literally two the, days the before he, he linked up with them, yeah. The Jones one was quite funny, wasn't it? Because it, for a long time he was training with the lads and playing the friendlies, and Dice was still telling you guys with the press saying that, oh well, it'd be nice if it happens, but we're not really sure. It was an open secret that he was going to sign. Yeah, it was an odd one. Obviously, he had a, some contracts. Now, the, the majority finished at the end of June. July 1st, you're a free agent. He had a contract that finished at the end of July. <laughs> and uh, quite why, you know, it, it wasn't sort of, you know, that this deal will go through at the end of July. You know, we, we just got to see out his contract. I don't know. don't know why there wasn't... I suppose uh, we saved a month's wages on him, so I suppose it's positive in a yeah, sense. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it could it could have been announced that you know the deal in principle has been uh, has been put in place, and uh, no, it was a strange one that to sort of uh, deny anything was happening while you know, we all knew full well he was uh, he was trading and involved. Manager's prerogative, I suppose, on that one. Just to come back to you, Andrew, on the finances point, um, we heard about the eight million loss a, a few weeks ago. Now, uh, what was your reaction to that news? Was it a bit of a shock that that loss was so high? Um. Yeah, it was particularly, um, given that the fact that I think we're still entitled to some parachute payments and all of that was factored in. I haven't really looked at the finances, to be honest, but when you're making an eight million loss anyway, you, you're a bit sceptical almost. Um, obviously, like Chris has already said, you're not taking into account the fact that uh, Charlie's sale, or was it J-Rod's that hasn't been factored into it? Um, there was no player sales, I believe, in that eight million loss, just because Jay was the season before and Charlie's the year after. So it's yeah. a bit of a strange year in a way. Plus, we'd invested money in players like Jason Shackle, so it was unusual for there to be exactly. no sales the year. But eight million is still quite a striking amount. It is quite a lot, and obviously, I don't know how much they bought the turf and golf court back for, but that'll be a small investment. And um, obviously, crowds are, crowds keep going down. You can't deny that, and. Obviously, we're not getting as much money in as we thought we would like when we were in the Premier League. The finances are obviously going to be a tricky one. And one of the points from this open letters today is that the co-chairman are very keen to run the club sustainably. And one of the ways they're planning to do this, by the sounds of it, is to use the youth players. Um, Nathan, just to come to you on the finances, um, yeah. that £8 million loss, what, what was your reaction to that when it was revealed by Mike Golly recently? Uh, it, was a bit, it was a bit worrying, I guess. Um, you know, but I guess my initial thought were eight million doesn't seem like a lot when you look at the big money that you see, you know, that's reported on TV. But when you you step back a little bit and put your little Burnley cap on that, you know, we should have on all the time and realise we're not a big club and we don't have a lot of finances. Eight million is a lot of money to lose, um, you know. But you know, his response in the letters saying how he wants to reinvest that and you know actually embrace the youth culture, which I think 
is very successful in some of the bigger clubs that do that. You know, we can actually create some good talent, you know, and eventually recoup that money, you know, in player sales later on, maybe. What about yourself, Chris? Obviously, you're close to the club than us. Do you have much dealing with the co-chairman? Was it? Did you have any idea that this eight million loss was coming, or was it a surprise for you as well? I think I've been speculated on Twitter. I was expecting something like you know, in the region of you know, not not maybe not as much as as, as eight. But I mean, they've run with those sort of losses before. If you think, if you look at the season, the promotion season, they ran with an I think it was an eleven million deficit. Which turned you know turned into a fourteen million profit in the Premier League season, and so again you know the the question is where has the money gone? You know when you have an eleven million pound deficit and you make a fourteen million pound profit, you know you do the maths. It's it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, the 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 club always says that the accounts are there for everyone to look at, but the fact is the man on the street doesn't have the knowledge of accounts and they're not there's terms like we spoke about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago the amortization yeah we're, we were trying to work out what that is and it's like the depreciation of assets like players so someone who signed three years ago becomes worth less every year yeah again i would say i'm not a financial person ask me bank manager it's uh it's, it's <laughs> hard work yeah i mean we've had put like financial experts pouring over the uh the accounts in the past and uh you know, if you actually go along, I mean, there's, there's usually one or two characters at the AGM who, uh, you know, are financially minded and raise certain issues. And, you know, it, it's all explained there. I mean, like, if you look in the press reports, we tend to sort of sum that up in layman's terms, if you will. But it's, uh, you know, it, you look at the Premier League monies and the, you know, the wages. I mean, even the, uh, the, the agents report last week, they, they spent half a million pounds on agents fees. I don't think that even crosses people's minds. They look at sort of fees and there's wages and just the general running of the club. The football clubs are money pits. (laughs) End of story. Yeah, It's just the way it is. I mean, we have to give some credit to people like Mike Garlick and John B that they are willing to to finance the running of the club and they do both seem like they are happy to do that, especially if there are going to be losses. I think they're pointed out in this open letter that, that between them they're putting more than than anyone else in recent history, I think is the wording, which I thought was a slightly strange thing to almost boast about. But they're obviously keen to point out that they have been putting money in. It's not a case of the board taking money out of the club, which is the perception some fans have. It's absolutely not a case of that. No, again, it's like some, some forums, you're accusing them of sort of, you know, you know take, taking money from the club. As you say, they've put in 10 million quid between them over three seasons. You know, that's well, for I, general I, I can tell you I won't be putting it in the club so you've got to give credit to the, the men who are doing that for the club and keep helping to keep yeah. the club on its feet as well you know we're not talking shakes we're not talking uh, Russian oil millionaires we're talking <laughs> you know, guys guys from the area who have a genuine genuine passion for the for the place for the football club and uh, you know wanted to put the put their hand in the pocket to help uh, you know help the, it be a successful football club and uh, you know they've had the the, the moments with the, you know obviously Brendan Flood. A lot of people sort of talk about you know the 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 ambition the club had under Brendan. And but you know if you look at uh, you know once Burnley won promotion to the Premier League and Brendan started having his his his, his problems with the uh, the sort of financial downturn worldwide. I mean it's it's all right having ambition if you haven't got the money to to support that. It's just uh, it's just you know. I mean, not, everyone goes back to the Portsmouth scenario. I mean, that's just—it's—it's it's just not going to happen. It was—it was a, you know, 
<laughs> incredible state of affairs the way they were they had a succession of, of overseas owners who all yeah. did an incredibly bad job didn't they I mean, mm, the thing with Portsmouth today was that the amount of money they're still owed to certain players like oh, Ben Aim still owns something like 1.6 million it's just absolutely absurd to think of those numbers for what's now a League 2 club to exactly. still owe that much that much money if you, I mean the Probably the, the I mean the, the the most worrying one is, is Coventry City. You know, look at a club that all my days as a kid growing up watching football were uh, a top top flight club, and uh, you know they 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 know they've been nowhere near getting. I don't think they had a top uh, top half finish in the championship after relegation, and now they're playing Sunday afternoons at Sixfields. It's just uh, you know it's it's a, it's a daunting one. There's certainly a balance to be struck, but you're right. When you point out examples like that, we'd obviously all much rather have a Burnley football club where a couple of a couple of the the board are financing the running of the club and their fans, and we know that the club's going to be quite safe. And just one more point on the finances. I'm sure you get this question all the time, Chris. But the story about the Russians that was in the Express was was that never a non a goer as far as you're aware. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've, I've taken a bit of bit of stick for this. I mean, it wasn't my name on the article. It wasn't your story. So uh, it was the it was the news editor, and uh, you know, the, the, the editor was involved. Uh, John Sullivan, who knows the editor quite well, you know, approached the editor, and uh, I mean, I think John Sullivan was quite uh, quite convinced. He had a couple sort of on his uh, on his hook there. You know, he'd, he'd laid the bait out, and uh, you know, he, he thought he had a backup scenario. You know, he's been there a couple of times. He, you know, he has a lot of business over there, and uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It, it ultimately, I mean, it, it made uh, it made for uh, you know good headlines. It was well read. You know, it's a lot of scenarios you get in with, with newspapers. But uh, is there any substance? Well, I'm, I'm yet to see anything. So I suppose that, that's the proof in the pudding that nothing's happened. It does say this this open letter that we keep referring back to. It's on the the official club website if you haven't seen it yet. But it does say they are open to to investors, so they are leaving that avenue open. I'm not sure if they're actively chasing investors, but I'm sure that's another point. Um, we'll move away from the finances now. We could talk about the finances all day, I'm sure, but we'll be going over a, a lot of the old ground. I want to move on now to the Player of the Month award. Um, if you're not aware of what we've been doing, you should be by now because we talk about it every week. Um, we're teaming up with the Berlin Express this season for a new Player of the Month award. Um, August winner was announced last week and the winner was Danny Ings. Um, a deserved winner, do you think, Andrew? Uh, yeah, you can't argue with the fact that he scored all them goals throughout the month. He's got us into the position that we are. Personally, my Player of the Month was actually um, Jason Shackle. I think he's been magnificent last month. Um, when he first came, when Eddie Howe splashed all that money on him, I was a bit, I was a bit confused as to why he spent over a million on him because he, he wasn't really putting in performances I expected of him. But since cr- probably about Christmas time last year, he's just been absolutely immense for us, and he's kicked off this season in fantastic style. But you can't, you can't win games without scoring goals, and Danning's has scored them, so you can't look beyond him for the player of the month. I, I agree with you on Shackle. I actually voted for Shackle. I think um, having a strong leader at the back is extremely important. And like you say, we, we were shipping a lot of goals under Eddie Howe and Shackle was part of that unit. So the difference for, compared to a year ago, the goals that we were conceding, I think that's a huge difference. But then you look at Danny Ings, six goals in his first two years for the club and he's got five already this season. Um, Nathan, do you think Ings the the right man for this month's Player of the Month? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been... 
you know, banging him in for fun. But I, you know, I agree with Perry. You guys, you know, with the Jason Shackle, I thought I think he's been incredible this season. I, I voted him as my Player of the Month. Just having someone that's actually keeping the shape defensively. You know, I've watched Burnley for many years, and to actually watch them actually keep control of the team defensively. You know that it's it's happy to see. You know, you know, you're not you're not covering your eyes when you know teams are attacking us because I actually feel a bit confident in this defence now. So, and we all bit well, that to to Shackle and his leadership. It's, it's four clean sheets already this season, isn't it? Which is an excellent start. And yeah. So, some credit, of course, has to go to Tom Heaton, who's Absolutely. settled in extremely quickly in the in the back line as well. Um, do you think Ings was the right man, Chris? Who were your other candidates for Player of the Month in August? Well, you, men- you mentioned Shackle. I know a lot of people, like, like yourselves, have uh, you know, been usually impressed with his well, his, his continuation of his form over the second half of last season. But uh, Heaton, you, you don't like to name your goalkeeper when you've not you've not been leaking goals. He's, you know, he's, he's made a, you know, a few few big saves in games, but uh, it's only you know you've only lost Burnley have only lost the one game. The penalty saves a big one. The, you know, a big save at Sheffield Wednesday at uh, at two nil. Uh, the double save. And uh, you know just the, what he's brought uh, to the club from from first meeting him, uh, you know just just the character. Just he's a you know he's not a massive presence physically like your, your Brian Jensen's that that type of thing. But he's uh, he, he just in in terms of his character, you can hear it vocally. He's he's, he's deafening, you know, if you're a centre half or something like that. But uh, no, he's uh, just a really really solid good guy and uh, the type. Burnley built their uh, the promotion team around in uh, 2009. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. We will come on to that a little bit later in the podcast. One of the things that we are going to do is compare um, the first 11 from the promotion season to the current first 11 and see if we think it's um, up to a similar standard. We're not obviously saying that we're going to get promoted this year. We're just going to have a look and see how we think we're doing. And just a point on Heaton as well. His family is local to the area, isn't it? So it, do you think that's important? Do you think that's helped him to settle in a bit quicker? Yeah, obviously, you know his, his entire his entire family knows the area. I think his, his dad lived near Townley Park. He, he was born in Burnley General. I think his mum, uh, his, his, his well, Tom's grandmother, worked at uh, at Burnley General. His dad had a his, his dad worked in a his uncle's furniture shop. His uncle had another furniture shop in uh, in Cone and so on and so forth. It's uh, you know they're all season ticket holders and uh, he knows the he knows the history. I, I, we'd done a piece with him before the start of the season and I just sort of uh, just text, said to text saying you know can I, can I have your dad's name please and just a you know a bit of detail about his background. I got a big essay about <laughs> his you know that's the sort of uh, that's the sort of pro he is to start with but uh, as you say that that local uh, know-how is uh, is uh, like sensational. To, to, <laughs> it's very rare you have a local buy anymore, but in essence, he is you know the next next one after uh, after Jay Rodriguez and Andy Payton in that sense. And of course, um, big big gloves to fill. I suppose you could say in that Lee Grant was such an outstanding performer last season. I think he took a while to win people over Lee Grant, but he was certainly one of our better players last year. And Heaton. Maybe a little bit early to see as an improvement on Grant, but he certainly seems to be a an adept replacement for who was one of what of our better players last year. Yeah, more than adept. Yeah, as you say he's all round game. You know, from from uh, early sightings of Lee Grant, you know, you could see he wasn't going to come out and claim crosses. You know, very good shot stopper as all goalkeepers should be. The decision making was decent. He was good with his feet, which obviously worked in his favour with the way uh, Eddie Howe wanted to play out from the back. But uh, you know, Tom Heaton just seems to have the you know the whole thing down pat. Really, he's uh, 
you know, he is good on the deck. He's good at coming out and claiming things. He's a good shot stopper. His penalty, well, penalty saving is, uh, you know, as good as any goalkeeper bar Brian Jensen that Burnley have had, really. Well, um, we'll talk a little bit about Heaton later when we do that squad comparison like I just mentioned, but we're going to move on to this week's quiz now. Um, the quiz music, please, Adam. I love the quiz music. It makes me feel so important. Um, this week's question, uh, this, I'm interested to see how this one's going to go down. I think there's a lot of easy answers and some more difficult ones, so hopefully it'll be a good range. Um, right. Nice and simple explanation for this one. The last 50 players to have scored goals in all competition for Burnley. Um, own goals don't count, so just Burnley players who have scored, and I can tell you that goes back to the start of 2006, which I thought was incredible, really, that we're talking seven years where <laughs> only 50 players have scored for the club. So um, we'll start off with a panel, but if you're listening online, um, get your answers in, and if you're listening on Twitter, use the hashtag NNMPod and we'll... Uh, get all those in as well but we'll kick off with you Andrew a couple of guesses from you for the last 50 players to score for Burnley um, Adi Akinbae Akinbae is a very good shout he was one of the, the ones from quite a way away obviously a lot of goals in a couple of spells for the club Nathan um, J-Rod scored the obvious one <laughs> J-Rod's a pretty obvious one obviously <laughs> Scored a lot before his big money moved to Southampton. Um, Chris, can you find an obscure one for us to kick off? To have scored in all competitions or just... Um, no, in any com- any competition counts. Any of the right. 50 players have scored in, in any competition for the club since 2006. Oh, big Gifton. Big Gifton, no Williams. Gifton, no Williams is one of, the, one of the first ones or the last ones, depending on how you look at it, the closest to 2006. And it's an excellent shout. Um, we've had a guest on the chat already, Charlie Austin, obviously very good guest, sold to QPR this summer, um, lots and lots of players to get through, so keep those guesses coming, Eagles is right as well Alex, um, anyone else from the panel, um, Andrew, give us a couple of guesses. Um, what about Calvin as for an obscure one? Oh that's a fantastic show, Christine Calvin as who scored the winning goal at Blackpool in the promotion season, a huge goal really, bit of a turning point for that season. I thought he was going to be one of the ones that someone wouldn't get, so I'm impressed with that one. Um, Nathan, another guess from you? Um, Frank Sinclair. Oh, that's an incorrect answer, I'm afraid. Oh. Frank Sinclair might have been a little bit too early. He's not on my list. Um, Adam, I think you've got a couple of guests, have you? Um, I'm just going to go Stephen Fletcher for one. Stephen Fletcher, yeah, very good. Give us another one. Robbie Blake. Robbie Blake, absolutely. Um, a couple of spells at the club but it's just the latter one I think that fits in there we've got loads and loads of guests on the chat so I'll run through those quickly obviously Danny Ings five goals already this season plus a few in the last couple of years Stephen Caldwell's a very good guest I think he only had a couple one or two uh, captain at Wembley of course Stephen Caldwell Chris McCann absolutely a few goals in most of the seasons he played for us um, the answers are coming in thick and fast here I'm desperately trying to keep up Joey Johnson. Guest from James, that's a very good guess. Um, one of my more memorable Burnley goals was one that he scored against Preston at the turf. I think we took a short free kick to him. And I said, don't shoot from there, it's ridiculous. And of course he scored from about 40 yards. I know it's stupid. But I was like, so Wade Elliott as well, a very good guess. Um, Chris, back to you, give us a couple more names. Last Clark 50 goals, Big goal against Crystal Palace. Clark Carlisle, absolutely. Um, my hero, Stevie Thompson. Stephen Thompson. Probably the best free signing Burnley ever made, I think that's fair to say. Outstanding player. 
Um, David Edgar and Jason Shackle, a couple of defenders, guesses coming in. Shackle, of course, scored uh, Burnley's last goal at Derby. A very good volley, actually. Hopefully, he'll be on the score sheet again at the weekend. Scored against Rovers last season, of course. Um, any guesses on Twitter yet? No, nothing coming in. Um, we'll go back through the panel again. Back to you, Andrew. Um, Alan Marne. Alan Marne's another very good guess. You're hoovering up these tough ones. Alan Marne. He was a good player when he was fit. Alan Marne. Um, Joe Rodriguez has already gone. Um, Nathan, we'll come back to you. Uh, favourite goal. One of my favourite goals for Premier League season scored by Kevin McDonald. 3-3 equaliser at Man City. That was a good one, wasn't it? I was Brilliant. looking, actually, when I was looking through these, and he scored three in two games at one point. The couple in the, the Arsenal game, and I think he scored the week before that as well, so... He had some good games for us, did Kevin McDonald's. It was a shame it didn't really work out for him. Um, back to you, Chris. There's still lots and lots of names yeah, to get. Steve Jones. Steve Jones is a very good guest. I remember the first his first game, he looked like a star when he played up front for Steve Cottrell. Same thing, he scored a couple of goals. Never looked that good again. <laughs> <laughs> Give us another one, Chris. He's probably left Duff all right there, haven't you, I think? Yeah, Michael Duff is on the list as well. He tends to come up with a couple every season. Um, we'll leave the quiz there for now and we'll come back to it a little bit later. But keep your guesses coming in on the chat and we'll come back to them. And if you're on Twitter as well, use the hashtag NNMPod and we will go through those a little bit later. Um, well, there's, there's quite a big game on at the weekend, apparently. We're all starting to get a little bit excited about that. Blackburn Rovers have visited to Surf Moor. And obviously we'll all be hoping, praying, if we're that way inclined for a victory. It's been 34 years, far too long, really. Um, but some biggish injury news already is that Jordan Rhodes has gone home from the Scotland squad with a broken hand. Um, his manager, Gordon Strachan, revealed today that that's the reason why he's not going to be available for their game tomorrow night. But he might well be playing on Saturday. I suppose they can probably patch that one up. Do you think that would make a, a big difference if Jordan Rhodes was unavailable, Andrew? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think he will be available. Uh, I think I was reading actually in the Telegraph today that he's training back at Brock Hall either today or tomorrow. Um, for me, he's probably the best striker in the championship. Um, I think I did an article last year actually on comparing him and Charlie Austin. And after watching the derby when he scored against us, it made up my mind that he, he is probably the best goal scorer in the prem, uh, championship. Sorry, I'm surprised no Premiership clubs came in from actually. I think Wigan made a bid, didn't they? But yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that no one on deadline day when clubs are getting a bit panicky. I'm a little bit surprised that no one had a bid as well. Yeah, his, his record's unbelievable in the Football League since he left Ipswich a couple of years ago, or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, if he's playing on Saturday, well, Shackle, like we've already said, he's going to have to be on the top of his game to stop him. The thing with a player like Rhodes is that you can keep him quiet for 90 minutes, but he still then comes up with something. He just needs one chance, doesn't he? He's a bit like Charlie Austin in that respect. Um, come to you, Nathan. What are your sort of thoughts of that game on Saturday? Do you think this is our best chance in a while, maybe, to get one over on him? Yeah, I mean, I've been talking with my mates for the past couple of weeks now. You know, it's all all the same conversation, really. It's, you know, best chance we've had in ages, you know. But then, on the other end, it's like form goes out the window in these kinds of games. and Yeah, they only count to some extent. Only. Anything can happen, anything can happen. But I'm feeling good, I'm feeling confident. And um, I genuinely think having home advantage will we'll take them this year. I think we'll do it. Well, we certainly came close last season, of course, at Ewood Park when David Dunn scored from an offside position. That was heartbreaking. I'm sure Burnley fans won't forget that for a long time. And it does seem to be David Dunn who keeps popping up in these these games, Chris. David Dunn, we must wish that he was injured for Saturday 
a thorn in our side. Yeah, I think he's scored in four four meetings, old told. He's like the modern day Simon Garner. He's just a pain in the backside. Nice fella, but uh, you know, and, and well, he, if, if he was one of ours, we'd love him, wouldn't he? It's just exactly, so happens exactly. he's, he's from the wrong side. But he's just, uh, you know, I mean, he, he, by all accounts, I mean, he shouldn't shouldn't have even finished the game in uh, back in March. But he, you know, he kept out there, kept at it, and uh, well, you knew if it was going to be anyone, it was going to be him because it was the only one who meant anything to in uh, back in March. They were an absolute shambles that day. I mean, we should we should have probably put them away, shouldn't we? I mean, we well, were yeah, that. Ross Wallace has hit the post. We scored. Charlie Austin's had a perfectly legitimate goal ruled out, and they, you know, it's only three yards offside the equaliser. But uh, they were, I think the, the the first shot on target was in the ninety fourth minute, and that was a you know it was a it was a back pass from uh, the fullback Kane. They they, they offered nothing, and uh, the palpable fear from the, the the stands of being you know of losing to Burnley and tasting that what it was like. You could sense how scared they were. And I think I'm a big fan of reverse psychology. Talking to David Jones today and just sort of saying about what it would feel like for those Blackburn players to be the first set of players to lose to Burnley in 34 years. How would that go down with the support? You know, you've got to flip it, put the pressure on them. You know, never mind Burnley haven't won for 34 years. They could be the first group of Blackburn players to lose to a Burnley side in 34 years. And imagine, you know, the ignominy of that. Do you think Sean Dyche is maybe playing on the fact that it's been so long and um, on the other side, our players have got a chance to all write their name in the history books and they'll all be Burnley legends if they can come up with a win? And do you think he's all also mentioning March there'll be a lot of players involved who were on the pitch that day and to get that close and have it taken away, stolen away really, because we should have got the win? Do you think exactly. he'll be reminding his players of that in the coming days? Precisely, yeah. You're trying to take as much pressure off off your players, but... Speaking to Kieran Trippier the other the other week, and uh, I mean, obviously, he had a bit of a bit of a rapport, shall we say, with the Rovers fans, home and away. I he's think a spiky before. character, isn't he, Tripp? Yeah, if he was one of theirs, we'd hate him, but because he's one of ours, yeah. I mean, he performed a chicken dance after both <laughs> <laughs> games at some stage, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he he understands what it what it means. I think you know, you can see the you can see the celebrations in front of the Burnley fans when Shackle scored at at Ewood. And it, they, they know they know full well what it means. You know, they're just trying to take a bit of bit of heat out of the equation. Just you know, you got to play the game, not the occasion. And uh, you know, I, I just there's, there's enough experience there. The managers, you know, the manager don't get carried away one way or the other. And you know, I, in terms of like the actual character in the dressing room, but you know, the, there's as much character as I've seen there in a Burnley dressing room for some time. And uh, quietly away, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, I think we've got a decent opportunity. Um, so it's pretty confident. Just uh, it's a bit early to talk about the team news, I suppose. But Michael Kitely, the new arrival for Burnley, would you expect him to start on the bench because we played so well against Derby last time out? Yeah, I find it incredibly hard to change the the, the starting lineup from Derby, as you say. I, think, I know a few people sort of weren't too enamoured with Keith Tracy's performance, and I know a few who, who were you know were, were thrilled with it. You know, the few moments of magic put a glorious uh, free kick over for Volks. They had wide. The crossing that you know, the, the Grant made the save from Volks. A pass for Marnie with the outside of his foot was just one of the delightful. best passes I've seen from and, Burnley. And he's, and he's ex, ex-Blackburn. You'd think, you know, although albeit it was it was poor when you thought he'd want to turn it on against Preston, you'd think this is a you know this is his stage. What an opportunity! Well, the so, fact uh, that being on the bench should be that spur for Keith, shouldn't it? it should 
let him know that um, with Ross Wallace out, the place is his for now, but there is someone who's ready to come in. Um, just a point on Tracy, actually. You obviously spoke to him after when he when he made those comments about he's turned the corner and he's grateful for the manager. Um, do you think Tracy has turned that corner and do you think he's going to be an asset for us this season or is it still too early to be talking about him in that sort of terms? Yeah, I think we, we, we've seen it before as a, as a false dawn, so you've got to sort of bide your time with it. But from what I've seen, so far, I mean, I thought he was the best Burnley player on the pitch at Brighton. Uh, you know, he worked great, tracked back, you know, he was disciplined, but you know, he was the one Burnley player that I thought was going to make make a difference, make something happen with his with his quality of of pass, with his vision. Uh, and they say, like you know, likewise uh, at Derby, you know, the, the, the touch for Danny Ings to release Ings for I mean, he's an awful lot to do, Danny Ings, but it's just a it's just it's a glorious a, touch. Two he's or three a defenders out of the game, didn't it? That touch. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a what, you know a real footballing arrogance about you know, a good arrogance, you know, not not a cockiness. He, he just knows full well he's got this god given ability, and when he when he can turn it on, he's he's well like you know people have said in the past, he's, he is capable of being one of the best players in the championship. Well, like you say, but with it being against his old club, if he doesn't come up with the goods on Saturday, he probably never will. So maybe a bit of last chance saloon for for Keith. Just to come back to you, Andrew, on the game on Saturday. Um, do you agree with Chris that we've got a very good chance the way that we the way that we've been playing, the way that we're going into the game? Yeah, I fancy our chances this time. Uh, third, what is it? Third in the table, so we're, we're in pretty good form. Start the season well, but I, I, I don't know. I've just got this feeling in the back of my head that we played well in both games last season. We still couldn't beat them. I'm just hoping that this is the time we can finally get one over on them. When we've got a pretty decent squad, if we're being honest, and we're in, we're banging form. So if we can't do it tomorrow, I can't see us doing it ever. To be honest, well, we've got to beat them at some time. We've got to surely. Nathan, do you think we've got a good chance, or are you a bit wary about what might happen on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a passionate Burnley fan, you think, yeah, we'll smash them, we'll we'll do it, but you've got to put your sensible hat on, don't you? And and just think, you know, like you just said, we've we played well in both, you know, the last couple of games, and we've still come out second best. Um, but I do think it's favoured more to our side, you know, with the whole teaser of being. Um, you know, being able to go top of the league just for a few hours. Um, that's a very good point, actually. Think, with us playing early, we yeah. will go top if we win. So that's a bit of an added that's bonus. A massive, top of the league, right in the history books. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the a massive confidence. That writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It should make a big difference. Um, it, it's obviously early in the season, Chris, but do you think that's something that will be mentioned in the dressing room on Saturday, the fact that we could go top of the table? I don't. Again, you, you hear from sort of managers and players that they don't they don't look at the table until you know it, it gets to the business end of things. They know full well that they can go top, but it it, it, it is it's 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 so early in the season. I don't think it'll. Uh, it's not a great badge of honour to be honest to to have you know for a few hours you might go top. It's about accumulating points, and if you know if they, they know if they win that, the lift it'll give the place, the town. It'll be, uh, you know, the, the, oh, you can imagine, you can see all the fans really getting on board and buying into the manager's ethos, you know, the, you know, the squad just really, almost a a a, a win that could uh, transform a season. When you look at the promotion year, the, you know, the win at Forest or the cup win at Chelsea, a game that says, hang on a minute, you know, we've got a got an opportunity here, and once you all sort of swim in the right direction, who knows what can happen. It does, doesn't it? It just gives you so much more confidence when something like that happens. 
Oh, you did just mention you just mentioned with the manager as well. Um, I think we we talked last week about how he started to turn things round after um, a slow start last season, shall we say? But over the summer, we've done some good deals in the transfer market, and we're playing much better football. It's all on the floor, and I think Sean Dash is starting to turn things round now. And obviously, if we win on Saturday. That will be something he can point out for his whole Burnley career. He can be the manager who brought that win against Rovers. He'll be able to walk on water, won't he, if he wins that? You know, he's, he's, he's <laughs> God, I've, I've no idea what I'll start calling John Dyche. Ginger Mourinho's the, the name, but I think they'll have to come up with something new. But he's, I mean, he's, it's, his third, it's his third fixture. He's played Blackpool. Uh, you know, in one of the games last season, he's played Preston North End, he's played Bolton. You know, it's his third Blackburn game. He knows full well about the scenarios, and uh, that's, he, he, he's well aware. He's, he's, he's not daft. You know, he don't he don't get carried away one way or the other. You know, he's he's, he's got a team that's very hard to beat at, at the moment. You know, the the, the only defeat was you know, it was in the balance you know, before Tom Heaton goes at, at Brighton. I thought they were capable of getting something, but you know, they they maybe not playing. You know, they've played better football than they did over the second half of last year, but you know, might maybe still not playing anywhere near the football they're capable of playing. Certainly the impression I get from uh, speaking to David Jones today. And uh, I think there's a lot more to come from this side. You you want that bit more depth, but a couple of cheeky uh, loan signings, you know, between now and the uh, sort of end of November. And it, you know, I think it's got to make it of a very good squad. Well, I hope they are looking at loan signings because one of the points I've been making in the last few weeks was back in January, if you remember, when Charlie Austin was injured, we had those run of, of wins in the league and we were within touching distance of the top six. But we didn't bring in the players that could have just made sure we could stay up there and maybe take us on. And Austin came back and results slipped and we even flirted a little bit with a relegation battle. Although you could say that for half the league because the division was so crazy last year. Do you think that maybe the board will learn from that last season that they should have brought players in at that time and we'll try and get someone in now while we're doing well and integrate them and try and keep it going rather than wait until things are going a bit wrong before bringing someone in. I see, I don't know if it's a case of sort of learning lessons. I think, you know, they, 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 they knew they wanted to add. And again, you know, it, it really does boil down to, like, like, like Sean says a lot of the time, you know, things falling into place. Like, you know, the Kitely deal, Kitely knew the manager, he wanted to come to Burnley. You know, little things like that. Sometimes, you know, the finance might be available. They might set up a deal. The player might decide to go elsewhere and so on and so forth. You know, they, they, they are trying to bring players into the club. But, you know, I was, you know, rich, sit, to sit down with Michael Cartley last week and him tell me that Sean Dyche is the best man manager he's worked under. And I had to sort of clarify, I'd say, you know, you, you've worked with Mick McCarthy, you won promotion with, with Wolves, with, with Mick McCarthy. You know, and he's renowned as, you know, getting the best out of his players like that and he said no he's, 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 he's up there as, as good as a, a man manager I've worked with it's certainly positive stuff and I'm sure Kitely will be um, he'll be coming to turf more intending to play so he's, he's got to work his way into that team that's playing so well and we'll go back to the quiz now because the answers have been pouring in but um, Andrew Frost you said you had a couple of guests I'm just going to work through these ones that we've had but chuck us some names and I'll let you know if they've already gone um, about David Unsworth David Unsworth isn't on the list. Someone else guessed David Unsworth, but he's not correct. He may have been just oh. before. Right. What about he's not Andrew on the Cole? list. I've got... Sorry, Andrew Cole is correct. He scored, of course, 
lost that hat-trick against QPR, so he is correct. But I'm afraid Unsworth, not on my list. Let's run through a couple of the ones on the chat. Michael Ricketts is an excellent shape munch. He's the first player to score in 2006, so he's the furthest back on my list. And O'Connor is correct as well, so I will cross him off. Who else have we got coming in on these chats? Graham Alexander, of course, penalty specialist, took some free kicks as well. Um, doing quite well at Fleetwood Town this year, Graham Alexander. So it'll be interesting to see how his managerial career goes on. Adi Akinbae's already gone. James Bird, Paul McVeigh, very good answer. Came alone, of course, after that. Was it 19 games without a win under Steve Cottrell and helped to stay up that season? Andre BK, very good answer. A couple of good goals he scored. I remember the goal against Birmingham City was a very good one. Tyrone Mears. Another good answer. Only had that one year at the club, I think. A couple of goals came up with Martin Patterson. Left the club on a free transfer this year. He's correct as well. David Jones, absolutely. Another good shout. This season scored at York City. Kyle Lafferty as well is one of the guests that's come in. Um, We'll come to you now, Nathan. There's still quite a lot of names left. I think I've got an obscure one. John Spicer. John Spice is a very good guess. He's one of the one of the earliest on my list, and there's still quite a few of the early ones and some players who've also scored this season. So can we try and get rid of the ones that have scored this season, Andrew? Um, Dean Marnie, has he been said? Dean Marnie hasn't been said, so we'll cross him off. And Alex has come up with Kieran Trippier as well, who scored in the Preston game. I'm just checking that I've gone through all the ones on the chat, I think I've got them. Alex McDonald is incorrect. He didn't score for us, despite making many substitute appearances. I think that's everyone on the chat. So keep your answers coming in. Scarfield is correct, actually. Arfield, of course, scored in the York game. Junior Stanislas, as well, is correct. Sam There's one more guess there, I think. Stephen Thompson has gone. Ross Wallace is correct. And Ben Mee is correct. Let me just count up what's left. We've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 14 left. And I'm pretty sure we've gone through everyone on there. Sam Volts is correct as well. So the last 13 names, Chris, will come Andy to you. Andy Gray, have we, had, have we had Andy Gray? Andy Gray is a very good answer. And um, I think there's only a couple of strikers left, so we're going to have to get a bit more obscure next, Andrew. You said you had some obscure answers. Let's have one. About John Gidetti. Very good. Was it just one goal he scored for us? Was it Barnsley or somewhere like that, John Gidetti? Nathan Delfonso. Very good as well. Another striker who scored one goal, I think, on all on spell. And there's one more forward on loan who scored just one goal for the club, I think. Delfonso. He's just gone, Adam just said Delfonso. Have you had both O'Connors? Both O'Connors have gone, yeah. Gareth and James. What about Josh McCoyd? He's the one I was thinking of, Josh McCoy, who was on loan from Bournemouth, I think. Nine more to get, and I can tell you there's another striker who was on loan, actually. Uh, In the Premier League season. Is Brian Easton? David Nugent, yeah. David Nugent was the striker, but you've just come up with probably the best answer on the board there, Brian Easton, the the famed ginger marauding left-back. We're down to the last seven players. Let me just check if there's anyone... On that, I don't think Tracy's been said, so that's a very good guess on the chat there. Fletcher's gone, Chrissy Wellmo, no one said him, despite his hat-trick against Preston North End. We're down to the last five now. I don't think any of these have been said. Jack Cork. Jack Cork's winning goal at Preston, of course. Um, so we've got four left now. 
Wayne Thomas, do we open? Wayne Thomas not on the list, I'm afraid. When did Graham Branch leave? Graham Branch was on the list. He was one of the last ones. So we've got two left-backs actually still on the list. And a current player. Bartley? Bartley is correct. I'm being told that the list is rubbish. The list may be incomplete. I'm willing to admit that. I knocked it up this afternoon when I was in a bit of a rush. The quiz was a bit last minute this week. Uh, Two left-backs then to round off the quiz this week. Matthew Brownrigg has said Danny Fox. Danny Fox, correct then. So that leaves just one more left-back who played for the club under Steve Cottrell, I think. John Harley. John Harley's correct. So that rounds off the quiz this week. Like I say, um, the list may be incomplete. So David Unsworth may have been a correct answer. I'm willing to, to admit that. He scored a penalty in the shootout at Grimsby, Unsworth. Uh, Can't remember him scoring in open play. Shootouts don't... There were a couple of others that uh, were mentioned that weren't on the list. That was like, yep, that's actually correct. So I just pretended that they were on. Jamie Smith is incorrect, but there's still time. There's still time for me yet. Um, so that's the quiz over for this week. Um, we'll have a quiz next week. And we are looking for you to contribute. To, uh, James says... James wants to bet you that David Unsworth did score for the club. That one might run and run. We'll check that one out before... The end of the podcast. He says he scored in a one-one against Leicester in two thousand and seven. He did indeed. He did indeed. Yeah. Owen Coyle early early days of his career. Yeah. All right. You can have that one, James. Great, Thanks yeah. for showing me up. You just made my quiz look like a farce, there, James. You're not coming on again. <laughs> right. So that's the quiz. Over. And I was just about to say that if you've got a good quiz question for us, we're always looking for your quiz questions. So you can get them to us on Twitter at nonenevernet or email us blog at nonenever.net and we will use those and that will save us a job for next week. Um, the last thing I want to go through this week on the podcast is a squad comparison of the current first 11 against the promotion first 11. We'll run through this quite quickly, but essentially we'll, we'll match up man for man and we'll count up how many um, we take of the current lot of the previous lot. It'll be quite interesting to see how strong the current team is. Um, so we'll start off with Brian Jensen against Tom Heaton with you, Andrew. Who do you think is the stronger goal? And this is Brian Jensen from the promotion year, specifically against Tom Heaton. Going off the promotion year, I go Brian Jensen simply because, especially during the cup run, I always remember it was absolutely stunning against Arsenal. And throughout the it, season, he was, he was one of our best players, to be fair. I think someone previously said on the podcast, it might have been James, that... Uh, the Beast had more good games in that one year than the rest of his Burnley career put together, yeah. which sounds harsh, but might be true. Um, come to you next, Nathan, on the Beast against Tom Heaton. Who would you rather have? Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer, really. You know, Tom Heaton's had a short-lived career at the moment, and Brian Jensen, yeah, he was he was unbeatable that season. <laughs> it is obviously it's difficult to say, especially with the, the couple of the new lads that we'll go through. Um, but we'll try and be as fair as possible. I think uh, the Beast probably will win this one. Um, what do you think, Chris? Do you think Tom Heaton potentially as good as the Beast, or would you still take that season's Brian Jensen? Well, potentially, yeah. I mean, see what on uh, evolves there. But he, I mean, Brian Jensen, that he's got to factor in. I mean, it's, you have your you know ability, this that, and the other, but you know, desire, character, you know that. The desire in that side, you know, there's a lot of players who hadn't played at that level who wanted to, you know, were desperate, thought it was the last, you know, the last knockings for them. 
a few who had had a, had a sniff of it and again, you know, just wanted to taste it again. Brian Jensen's desire that season, he had to be seen to be believed. You know, he, he spoke to him and he, his focus, his determination, they they just they knew they were uh, they, they knew they knew something special was 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 happening and uh, the Reading game at home Burnley won one nil. It was just uh, as good a goalkeeping display as you'll ever see. Uh, it's worth noting as well. well. I'm sure we'll mention this when we go through the whole defence, but um, we've had a number of clean sheets in the running. Obviously, three in the playoffs themselves, and I think it was something like six or seven at Turf Moor in a row. So although the defensive unit wasn't great for a lot of the season, it did come together at the end of the season and the beast is obviously a massive part of that. I think we're all pretty unanimous that we'll take Brian Jensen to kick off this team. So we'll move to the right back next. Um, we've gone for Michael Duff, which is slightly controversial, I suppose, because Reese Williams played a few games at right back that season when he was on loan. But it was Duff for the playoffs because Williams went back. And um, obviously the current incumbent is Kieran Trippier. So Andrew, Michael Duff or Kieran Trippier, I think this one might be quite one-sided as well. Yeah, as much as I like Duff, he's pretty solid, but for an all-round game, you've got to say Trippier, haven't you? He's probably been our player of the season for the past two or three years for me, anyway. You can certainly make a case for that, and I think um, someone, when we set up the Player of the Month award, said that it might as well be called the Kieran Trippier Player of the Month award, which um, I thought was quite a good shout, but actually he was quite way down in the, the voting for the first month, so it'll be interesting to see how many nominations Trippier gets. I think one of the things with Trippier now is that everyone expects excellence from him all the time, so it's harder for him to stand out. Um, we'll come to you next, Nathan. Duff or Trippier? Yeah, um, I agree. Trippier, for me, his, his delivery is just brilliant from a right-back. Um, yeah, you know, as much as we all love Duff, and he's a, you know, he's a servant to the club, and we'll always be grateful for that, but player for player, I think Trippier edged it. Well, it's, it's Trippier's crossing that really, I think, gets him the nod, isn't it? Um, yeah. Chris, just a final one from you. Are you making it unanimous with Trippier over Duff? You'd have to, yeah. I mean, hugely different as, as right fullbacks, obviously. I think, you know, Duffo's days of rampaging down the right had, had, had passed away then, sort of thing. You, you know, if you wanted a nice, nice, solid, you know, back four that's going to win win stuff aerially all day long, then you'd have Duffo in there, but... If you want to, you want to take the game to opponents and drive drive wingers back and uh, put over glorious crosses and trips as your man. Duff, Duff and Nelly, it was actually quite a good combination on that right flank. I mean, Elliot was playing inside for a lot of the season, wasn't he? But it was quite a good team. But I think Trippier's just all-round excellence, meaning that he has to get the, the nod there. Michael Duff involved in the next one as well, because I think when everyone's fit, Duff tends to get the nod, doesn't he, at the back? So we've gone for Michael Duff from the current team against Clark Carlisle from the promotion side. Um, we'll start this one with you, Nathan. Carlisle or Duff? I've I've always been a fan of Carlisle, so I think just based off my fanboy states, I go for Carlisle. He was an unbelievable leader. Um, that performance at Wembley was just sort of next level, wasn't he? Was I'll never forget, yeah, never forget that interview after the game when he was just pretty much in tears and just he couldn't really take it in. It was, it, yeah, it, it was just so it was just so brilliant to see a player just have so much emotion for a club, and yeah, he was he was a fantastic leader and a player. 
And as well, just a note on Clark Carlisle, who uh, his, his new autobiography has actually been serialised by the Mail, I think. And one of the things about Clark Carlisle, I don't know if you saw his, his documentary about um, the, the suicides in football. Yeah. It was extremely candid and honest, and that was quite hard to watch. But um, it was the, the playoff defeat while he was playing for QPR, I think, quite near the start of his career that sort of knocked him for six a little bit. And so it was obviously massive for him to go back to Wembley in mm-hmm. a playoff final and be on the winning side. Yeah. Um, come to you next, Andrew. Carlisle or Duff? I'm going to... As much as I want to disagree, just because we're all going for the same players, I'm going to have to go for Carlisle as well. Um, he he um, was just tremendous, wasn't he? He was running. a colossal that year, wasn't he? So, yeah, Carlisle for me. And I think we can all forgive him the performance against Portsmouth in the Premier League season just after he'd been on countdown. <laughs> Chris, are you going to disagree or is it going to be another clean sweep on Carlisle over Duff? Well, I mean, in, in, a, in a bit of a brainstorm, sort of like December time, I remember he had an absolute shocker at Doncaster, you know, a really poor header that cost cost Burnley a goal on a dismal afternoon. But uh, just for you know, sheer athleticism, again, you know, will to win, desire, massive goal in the uh, in the Palace game that I spoke about earlier on when Burnley were uh, you know two 0 down, came back to win four two, and you know, a real. You know, one of them red letter days on the you know, in the promotion season, but yeah, probably you know Duffo as he is now against Clark. Then yeah, you, I'd probably go with Clark. But you know, Duffo then against Clark would be an interesting one. That well, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be tough. But um, we're not going to ask that question, I'm afraid. So we're not going to have to go through that. Um, next up then for the the, the skipper, the armband. Um, Stephen Caldwell against Jason Shackle. This one might be a bit tighter. We'll start with you on this one, Andrew. Caldwell or Shackle? Oh, that is now that is a tricky one. It's um, getting tough now, isn't it? Yeah, both obviously now I've seen Shackle more this year in the second half of last. Both really good leaders, but you've got to say that Caldwell, at the time being anyway, we won something under him. We got promotion and under Shackle we haven't got anything yet. So I'm just going to go for Caldwell on that. I think that's a fair way of looking at it. Um, I think actually Shackle might be a better player, but Caldwell has got that promotion on his record. Um, Nathan, Caldwell or Shackle? Yeah, I mean, if we all thought like that, then I think we'd have obvious answers for the rest of the uh, podcast, wouldn't we? We'd say I think based off of that, I think Shackle for me is is a better player. He's a better defender, um, and I, I I feel like at the moment he's a bit of a better leader. He seems more in control of the squad and seems a bit more of a team player um, and a more vocal leader as well. I can remember of Caldwell. You'll be able to give us insight into the character of both players, Chris, and you've got the casting vote. So Caldwell or Shackle? I have to be honest. Absolutely no competition whatsoever. Stevie Caldwell all day long, all really? day. Yeah. All day. He's, he's, a, he's the best professional I've dealt with in 19 years working on the Express. He is absolutely... Like too early then? It's what, sorry? Do you think we released him a bit too early? Oh, yeah, massively. Yeah, I mean, he, he, him and Brian Laws didn't see eye to eye. And, uh, yeah, he was on his way. Ended up spending another uh, you know, three years at Birmingham City in the Championship. But, you know, him and Curtis Davies didn't do too badly at all. But... No, he, you know, good passive role. Obviously, didn't didn't have any pace whatsoever, but read the game superbly, on and off the pitch. You know, top man for me, and just uh, a, a a diamond. They, they don't make him like Stevie Corbell. Oh, interesting stuff. That's that's the first one. I'm I'm not sure I'd 
I'm not sure I'd have gone for that, and I certainly wouldn't have predicted it. So Stephen Caldwell gets the armband, and it will be Caldwell and Carlisle at the back, the same back two that played at Wembley. Um, the left-back slot, maybe not quite as strong a choice, but we've got Christian Calvinus against Ben Mee, who seems to be the first choice under Sean Dash. Um, Nathan, Calvinus or Mee? This is a tricky one. Um, it's almost slim pickings at left-back, but it, yeah. best on his pros. Yeah, definitely. Um I mean, if we're just going to go head to head, I do. I think the thing that does it for me is watching Ben Mee shove his head on the line, literally against <laughs> Reading. Um, I, you know, I didn't I've seen a player do that for your team. Um, I, I, it's so tightly contested. I think that one. So I'm going to have to go Ben Mee just based on that clearance with his head or his face. <laughs> Andrew does Ben Mee clearing the ball with his face mean he gets the nod for you? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised actually. I thought you would have gone for uh, Stephen Jordan at left back for the promotion winning team. Uh, it's tricky, wasn't it? I think I went for Calvinus because he played at Wembley, which is yeah. pretty much how I've put the team together. But going off, going off them two then, Calvinus and can me. Pick Jordan, if you want. I mean, that, that just ruined the game. But if you want to pick Jordan, you can pick Jordan. <laughs> I would do, but on the basis of. <laughs> Keeping within house rules, I'll go for um, Ben Mee. He's a bit more composed on the ball than Calvinus, so Ben Mee. Would you agree with that, then, Chris? Ben Mee over Christian Calvinus? I'll go Stevie Jordan as well. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, we'll throw this one out. And um, Stephen Jordan's got two votes then. Why, why would you go for Stephen Jordan? No, to be honest, Calvinus, I think Calvinus played 30 games in the promotion season, including Cups, and I think they lost once at Arsenal. Really? And that's you know, he's in a, in a ludicrous record at Burn. I've, I've heard him referred to as like a like a little left back. He was just like a value player. Do you know what I mean? He's just like <laughs> that sort of just 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 no frills, solid. You know, just just did the basics well. Uh, but for for me, Stevie Jordan was a better athlete. You know, more composed in possession, better in the air. And uh, you know they missed out at Wembley, and you know, but it, I, I thought you know played ever so well in the Premier League season. Uh, to be fair, and uh, shouldn't be playing at the level he is at the minute. What do you, what do you think's gone wrong with Stephen Jordan then? What his career seems to have been a downward slope really since that that Premier League season. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's hard to hard to gauge really because he, he I think Stevie Jordan he was like branchy in a sense. Once he if he made a mistake, he, you know more more often than not it was punished. it was confidence. Yeah, and, uh, you know that sort of took a hit, but you know not not blessed with 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 pace and uh, I don't it's, it's hard to say. Some players just drift away, don't they? You know Tony Grant was another that you know he turned down a, a deal at Burnley and thought the grass was greener and. You know, ended up playing for Crew and Accrington Stanley. It's just some there aren't that many players, are there, really, that have left Burnley and gone on to better things? So oh, it's no, quite it's interesting Burnley, the the pinnacle of many players' careers. I'm walking mm. through the team now, wondering if I've left out anyone obvious that you're going to pick me up on, but I think it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're into midfield now, and we're going to start off with the promotion season. Chris McCann. So this is Chris McCann from that season, not the Chris McCann we've seen for the last couple of years against the current Dean Marnie. So McCann or Marnie, Nathan? Again, it's another tough question, that. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. They're both really, I thought, you know, if you took Chris McCann in that season and Dean Marnie now, I think it's very equally balanced. Um, I think I think I would go Chris McCann on that one. I don't think I could give a clear reason why. I just, he's got that promotion. You have you got a, a preference either way from the promotion Chris McCann against the current Dean Marnie? 
I absolutely love Dean Marnie, but there's no no doubt that Chris McCann's a better player. In that season, he was just an absolute machine. He used to run from Arbots to the other, just bringing the whole team up with him. In fact, the goal for Wade Elliott at Wembley yeah. came from Chris McCann run, so he absolutely. was my pick. Um, I think Chris McCann was described by Owen Coyle as a, a Rolls-Royce midfielder, wasn't he, at one point, Chris? Would you go along yeah. with that? Are you picking McCann over Marnie as well? They called him the photo fit modern day midfielder. I, I, I've taken a bit of stick on forums and bits and pieces. So I think everyone knows that you know. I, I absolutely thought Chris McCann was, uh, you know, up up, and, up to the injury. You know, it, well, as, as good a midfielder as there was outside the Premier League. Performances against Man United, against Everton in the Premier League, showed he'd, he'd stepped up to the level, and I think he'd have, I think he'd have had a fabulous season. Big reason why why Burnley were re- relegated. Yeah, his injury was a real shame, wasn't it? And it will oh, be interesting to see yeah. how he gets on. Being um, back with Coyle at Wigan as well, it'll be very interesting to see how he gets yeah. on. I mean, he's, 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 yeah, scored goals, you know, re- retained possession, won tackles, just, you know, box to box. You know, Dean, Dean Marnie you know, has been, you know, a very good servant to Burnley and, uh, you know, he's still an integral part of the side. But, you know, again, Chris McCann all day long. Um, well, I've got to say the current side isn't looking too good at the moment. There's just Trippier as representative, and I'm not sure that's going to change on the next one, which is going to be Graham Alexander against David Jones. I think we might get through this one quite quickly, Andrew. Graham Alexander. There's no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> just for his penalties as much as anything. Um, Nathan Alexander or Jones? Yeah, Alexander, complete, great player, fantastic professional. And Chris Alexander or Jones? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's a terrific footballer, David Jones. Really good character again. But you know, Gres a consummate professional. Just absolute, absolute top man. No, no question. Um, right, we'll move on to the wingers now. This is a little bit tricky picking the current ones because it's the only part of the side that's really changed. But I think we'll go with the players that are playing at the moment. I think that's the fairest way to do it. So we'll have Scott Arfield against Wade Elliott. That's quite unfair, really, but that's the way it's come out. Um, Andrew Frost, dare I ask, Wade Elliott or Scott Arfield? Well, you'd be surprised to know that I'm actually going to go for Wade Elliott. Um, <laughs> it's a bit harsh, actually, given that Arfield's probably not an out-and-out winger. Compared no, to it's difficult to match up the sides because they play a different formation as well, but I've tried to pick players who are similar to the one that they're going up against, whereas yeah. this one was the trickiest one to really match. I mean, even if you put Ross Wallace there, it's, it's not really... A, a comparison is it? I mean Elliot's clearly going to win this one yeah Wade was one of our probably better players for the couple of years leading up to that promotion season he was a real good player down that right hand side so yeah no question that he'd be in that team even if we threw Genie Stanislas in there I'm a massive fan of Stanislas but Elliot over any of our current wingers Nathan um, I mean I'm going to say no but just to clarify Scott I feel I think he's a great player and I think he's got good, great potential at Burnley um, I think he's going to do well here, but Wade Elliott just for that one very reason. I think you all know well what I'm going to say, but for that one magical goal, really. Well, um, exactly. I think that'll swing it for a lot of people, but yeah. it's an excellent player for us for Absolutely, many years. Yeah. Well, Wade Elliott, um, Chris, Wade Elliott better than all of our current wingers, I suppose you'd probably yeah. say. Absolutely. I mean, apart from the fact you know he obviously played wide early in his career. You know, moved into the centre and to, to have a to have a side with, imagine McCann and Elliot running at you all day long in that midfield. There, there was no side in the championship had anything like that midfield. 
you know, your players who, who, who won tackles, your players who pass the ball, but to actually have two players driving at you all day, no, <laughs> you'd just you'd be sick of the sight of them. You know, Wade could drift out and put glorious crosses in, chipped up, chipped in with goals as well. And uh, you know, as Nathan said, you know, scored the you know the the, the greatest. <laughs> I'm not saying the greatest in terms of quality, but the greatest goal. You know, we'll, we'll say, yeah. yeah. Well, I think as, as well, you're making the point about that midfield, the fact that you've got a player like Alexander just sitting as well and his job is essentially just to break up attacks and just give it to all the other creative players. It's just the balance of that midfield. And the point I always make about McCann from the last couple of years, he's not had the quality of players alongside him. So it has been more difficult when he hasn't had an Alexander behind him. He hasn't had an Elliot next to him. I'm not making excuses for his form dipping in the last couple of years, but... The injuries had an impact and the quality of midfielders also had an impact as well. So it has been more difficult for Chris McCann, but that midfield, certainly the best in my lifetime, and I'm not sure we'll see another one that strong again for a long time. Um, sort of mercurial attackers next up then. So we've got Robbie Blake, obviously perennial favourite, and we'll put him up against Keith Tracy. Um, similar build, I suppose, the players, Andrew, Tracy and Blake. You could say that, not <laughs> harsh to either of them, but yeah, they did probably like a good after after match meal anyway. But uh, in terms of quality, I'd go Blake hands down. Um, probably one of the best performances I've ever seen on the turf was Blake against Tottenham in the calling. Blake Cup. against Spurs, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget when he when he turned in Chris Gunter inside out. He just absolutely rinsed him that night. Was that from the McCann goal as well? It was, just it was yeah. And I think there was also a goal against uh, Forrest when he scored from near the touchline. I can't remember if it was a free kick or something, but it was just unbelievable that year. Just create something out of nothing. Yeah, and the thing about Blake as well was that he was he sort of reinvented himself as someone who played off the wing rather than being a striker, which is where he played for most of his career. Nathan, then Blake or Tracy? I suppose this one's going to be a clean sweep as well. Yeah, um, you know, just out of sheer quality, Blake was brilliant, you know. Twinkle Toes, my granddad would always call him Twinkle Toes. He just, he always seemed to do something when he got the ball and the goals he scored were, you know, great goals and, yeah, just a great credit to the team and what he did for us as well. I suppose Tracy's got the potential to get to that sort of level, Chris, but he needs to do it over an extended period for the club like, like Blake did, especially in that, in that promotion season when Blake was probably at his best. Absolutely. I was I spoke before about, you know, Keith's got, it's, it's, it's up to him he's got all the ability in the world and I genuinely mean that I think he could play Premier League and beyond he's, he's, he's so gifted it's uh, it's ridiculous but to, to string that together over a period of time he's not going to be he, Robbie's my favourite my favourite Burnley player of all time I think, I think Fletcher is the best I've ever seen technically yeah but in terms of you know, we only obviously only saw him for a season but Robbie's my favourite. He just, yeah, I'd, I'd, we we we're, we're we're privileged. We get in for now every week. I'd have paid every week gladly to watch Robbie Blake. Absolutely, he's certainly up there with my favourite players. I'd have Glenn Little and Robbie Blake probably quite close to a tie, but Blake just absolutely a joy to watch. And um, he goes into the side. So at the moment, it's just Kieran Trippier from the current lot, but that might change with the next one, which is a very tricky one, actually. Martin Patterson, who scored 19 goals that season in 61 games, I think, against Danny Ings, who started the season so well. Obviously, tough to judge Ings because he's just getting started, really, for Burnley. But what do you make of Patterson against Ings, Andrew? Oh, that is another tough one. Um, Obviously, Danny Ings has started off. Like scoring like a house on fire this season, but 
over an extended period of time, you don't know how many goals he's probably going to get this season. Hopefully, he'll be up near 20, 20 plus. But at the season we went up, Patterson, just for his sheer work rate, and he was actually quite a good finisher, believe it or not. Some fans seem to forget that he, he did actually put the ball in the back of the net quite a lot of times. I seem to remember a goal against Blackpool, which is actually from outside the area, which he, he did have in the From outside the area? Wow. Exactly. And of course, the, the, the goal at Reading as well that sort of sealed the, exactly. the trip to Wembley. Yeah, he had a, I think he had like a barren spell just over Christmas, but before that and after that, I thought it was fantastic. And his partnership with Thompson, who I don't know if you're going to bring into this because you've still got him and Thompson will be next, yeah, so... So you've left uh, out Eagles, which is a bit controversial. Well, but. It will be controversial. I'm sure you'll criticise me for it, but I have gone for the, the team that played at Wembley. So, um, yeah. so you're going for Patterson then, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. I am. And what about you, Nathan? Patterson or Ings? Uh, I mean, you you can't fault Patterson for what he did. You know, he was a great player, scored that many goals. and But I think going off like technical ability, technical ability and, you know, I think potential to go beyond where he's at now I think um, Danny Ings gets it for me um, he's just got this like swagger about him you know that he knows he's good and he can turn it on at any time and he, in, you know he can I think he can go on further and, and do really great things not you know not just for Burnley as much as I'd love him to stay for his entire career but you know he could potentially go on to bigger and better things I think Well just a, a man-for-man comparison this season Patterson hasn't scored for Huddersfield yet I don't think and um, Inks has got five for Burnley, so that's quite interesting. But it is the promotion season pass and the yeah. comparing. Casting vote goes to you then, Chris. Pato or Inks? Yeah, tough one. Pato, I think people... You know, he got 19 goals that season. He only scored 12 in the league. And, uh, you know, I see Ings has got, you know, three league goals, two two cup goals. But... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those, isn't it? I don't think Pato would have scored the goal Danny Ings scored at Derby. I think there's certain oh, goals that uh, yeah. that Pato scored that Danny Ings wouldn't touch. Technique, everything, every, everything's there with Ingsy. But you know, great. They're both effervescent, bubbly characters. But uh, I'm probably going to err on uh, on Danny Ings. I think. I would certainly go for Ings. I think on potential, Ings is just boundless potential. I can see him playing in the Premier League in a few years. No worries. Um, so Ings joins Kieran Trippier as the only current players in the eleven. And you said about Chris Eagles there, I could have fitted him in as one of the wingers, but I have gone for the eleven from Wembley. So the last one is target man against target man, and it's Sam Volks against Stephen Thompson, Andrew. Um, Stephen Thompson for me. Um, I'm still yet to be fully convinced by Sam Volks. Um, he reminds me a lot of Chris Uwalumo. Like He doesn't really do much, but then he'll pop up with the odd goal here and there, and he just tries to bully defenders. But I think that's the role that Thompson almost had for Burnley as well, just linking up with that striker like he was Pato, and that's a similar thing that Fox and um, Ings have got this season. But for Thompson, especially for that goal against Reading, that'll forever live long in my memory. Well, uh this is why I match these two up because I think they are both players who will um, make everyone else play better by the fact that they're there as a sort of focal point. Um, Nathan, to come to you next then, Stephen Thompson or Sam Vokes? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the clash of the uh, the quiet strikers, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think you know, and I'm, I'm I'm saying I'm not really sold on Sam Vokes yet. Uh, he's not. I don't think he's done enough for me as a a striker, really. Um, so. 
I think just based on goals that he scored and you know the the effort that he put in team until in that season from Thompson, I think I'm going to go for Thompson. I think folks maybe similar to Ings, he's maybe got potential to go on and do more, but Thompson's impact on that promotion season was vast. Yeah. And of course, maybe when he arrived on that free transfer, Chris, was that maybe a bit of a turning point in the in the context of that season, him coming on that free transfer brought in by Owen Coyle? Yeah, everyone sort of looks at that moment as a as a bit of a catalyst. Obviously, his debut they won at Forest. They haven't won up to up to date. Uh, you know, they're, they're both selfless, aren't they? You know, they, they'll they'll run themselves into the ground. They, you know, they didn't care whether they came off with a with a goal or not. Tomo could play sort of left hand side and be an out ball. Sort of, you know, you know, hit the flanks. He'll, he'll beat the full back and uh, and Pato could race on to something. But uh, Volks, as we say, we're just starting to see. You know the best of him. He's 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 got to have that uh, that aggression to him that Charlie Austin added to his game. You know if he if he can add that aggression because he's quite quite meek and mild for for a big fella like that. And uh, you know I think Tomo was 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 capable of uh, you know doing the nasty stuff and, and you know as well as being quite technically uh, gifted as well. And uh, I just Tomo is a rock and roll footballer. I like rock and roll footballers, and he's he's my. <laughs> Well, that rounds off the 11, and it looks a pretty good team on paper. We've got the beast in goal, uh, the fullbacks of Stephen Jordan, who I was overruled on. We've put Stephen Jordan in there. Came from nowhere, out of nowhere, Stephen Jordan. And Kieran Trippier from the current team. The, the central defenders, Clark Carlisle and Stephen Caldwell. Midfield of McCann, Alexander and Elliot, exactly the same from the promotion year. And a forward line of Blake, Ings and Thompson. Well, I'd certainly like to see that attack. And the whole team, I think, looks pretty good on paper. It will be quite interesting to maybe look at this a little bit later in the season. It was difficult to judge players like Heaton and Jones. But we've had it pointed out on the chat that it's, it, it is tough so early in the season to compare these players. And opinions might change after they've achieved a bit more. And the thing about that 11, they've all got that promotion on the CV, the fact that they did play in that campaign and they were all there at Wembley. But um, just to round off, um, this little feature which has gone on for a little bit longer than I'd anticipated actually it's been, all been good stuff um, the strength of the bench I think in the promotion season was a big plus and you pointed out Andrew that Chris Eagles will be on the bench in this situation do you think Coyle had a bit more a few more options to go to than Sean Dyche has got at the moment yeah definitely you also had um, Kevin McDonald who's quite an influential figure absolutely yeah and so yeah nowadays we're we're struggling almost for attacking options off the bench. Whereas in, when Coyle was manager, we did have them options to come on and change again if we needed them. So, yeah, you'd say Coyle's bench was stronger. And Nathan as well, do you think that's a bit of a problem with the current squad that there's just not that much on the bench to bring on to mix it up? Yeah, there's not many game changes. Uh, you know, that's what I like in a sub that someone that can come on and, you know, change, dictate the pace of the game or, you know, and, or, or do something that just shakes it up a bit. You know, we had. I'm just looking at the stats on the bench of um, the playoff game, and we brought you know Good Johnson and Eagles on, and Rodriguez on. You know they're three very strong substitutes. Um, you know just to name three. You know they were good. It's good to have players like that. And I just at the moment I don't think we've got enough players that can do that. You know I, I expected Stanislas to be able to do that really, but. He just hasn't at the moment, so we'll, uh, well, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Junior now. We'll just ask yeah. him quickly about Junior, Chris, because he seems... To, I'm a big fan of Junior Stanislas, and I'm sure listeners will work out by now because I talk about him every week. But it seems to me that he seems to be quite unlucky in that when he has a bad game, he does pay for it with his place. 
and he finds it tough to get back in. But he's certainly an asset, and he can he can change games from the bench. Do you think Stanislaus has got that ability? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll defend Junior. He's another one that we haven't seen best of uh, you know what he, what he's capable of. He, he, he's he's got ability, but he's another one that needs needs to come out of his shell a bit and you know maybe find that bit of bit of desire, a bit of aggression in him. He, you know, he's. he's you see the you know the crosses he puts in with the outside of his right, you know the in-swinging ones when he cuts in on you know onto on, onto his right, and uh, you know he can strike a ball, but you know far too often he, you know he, he, he's just got to be more positive. Just drive at a fullback all afternoon. You know if you if you if you take him on ten times and you beat him once, the once might be the one time where you get the killer ball across and we score a winning goal out of it. You just you know don't shy away because you've been beat by the fullback once or twice. Just you know keep using your pace, keep using a, tr- you know, a trick or two, and uh, you know the, the the jury's out still. You know the, you, we think the best is still to come, but uh, will we see it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of these players, isn't he, that we see flashes, but. He doesn't do that every week. But I always say if he was doing it every week, he'd be too good for us. So it's difficult to criticise players for not having consistency because if they were consistent, they would be playing in the Premier League probably. But I think with Stanislaus going into the last year of his contracts, it's probably make or break for his time at, at Burnley now. <laughs> Adam's brought out the music for when I'm talking about Stanislaus. I'm such a big fan. But credit to Keith Tracy. He's really taken his chance since he came in for Stanislaus, so I don't think we can be grudging that. But, yeah, hopefully Stanislaus will come back, because I think he's still got a lot to offer. I'd agree. I'd agree. You know, he's, he's, uh, I don't think he's had a particularly poor game. He, he had that knock at Sheffield Wednesday when he, he came off after half an hour and Scott Arfield came on and, do, and did well. So the Yeovil game was a bit of a... You know, not a lot happening in the game. I thought tactically they played well. They were, you know, they were, they were hard to beat and uh, didn't want to come out of, of the shape. And uh, you know, Arfield and Tracy come on and make a difference in the game. And you know, you, you've got to say you've got to be fair to players. You, you know, you won the game for us. You go out, go ahead and start the next game. Brighton, you know, hard to read into too, too much because of the uh, the sending off. And uh, you know, see Derby, they, you know, Preston, they, 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 Preston and Derby, they've done ever so well. So you know, I, I don't. It's 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 frustrating is the word for, for Junior. He's. Uh, you know he's got all the all the ability like Keith Tracy, but uh, you know it's it's time to time to deliver. Just one final thing then before we round off. I just wanted to do some quick predictions about Saturday's game. Anyone willing to stick their necks out on the line? We'll start with you, Andrew. What what do you reckon the score's going to be? Oh great! Um, <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be pretty fit. I think Rhodes will probably score, but I'm hoping we'll win. So I'm going to go for the classic two-one to us. The classic two-one. What about you, Nathan? Um, I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for a clean sheet. I'm gonna go for. Uh, I'm gonna stick my neck out here and say two nil Burnley. That'll be excellent. If it's two nil, I think we'll all be celebrating all weekend. I've put the Monday off work because <laughs> I I figured whatever happens, I'm not gonna be in a fit state to work on Monday. So I've made absolutely sure I'm not gonna have to do that. Um, Chris, the prediction from you. Are you on for predictions? I'm bloody awful at predictions. <laughs> The, uh, Predict them to win, then, please. Well, I, I, I like the reverse psychology. I like sort of you know expecting the worst, and that you know anything else is a, is a bonus. But I sort of, I get a sneaky feeling Ingsy's going to score a winner, uh, and then make me sort of head same. You know, maybe maybe one apiece, maybe a draw, something like that. But I'll go Ingsy one 0 
Uh, well, hopefully. I mean, Ings has got the first goal a few times this season already, so that would be nice. I'm going to go one all. by the way. Uh, same result as the two meetings last year, so that will be interesting. We will have um, live updates from that game on Saturday when NNN Live is back, and this week we will have lots and lots of build-up for the game. Um, we started that today with an interview with Kevin Ball that Kevin Robinson did. It's a very good read, so make sure you check that out. And we'll have lots and lots of stuff coming up, um, including Q&As with the likes of Alistair Campbell and Brendan Flood, and hopefully a couple of other players that we're going to speak to in the next week. So lots and lots of stuff before Saturday. Make sure you keep an eye on the site. We're on Twitter as well. Um, make sure you leave any feedback about the podcast on the hashtag NNMPod. You can email us, blog at net and... Saturday, like I say, none and ever live. Burnley v Blackburn, the big one, 34 years of history. Let's hope that those history books are rewritten. So that's it for today. Thanks a lot to everyone who's listened and my panellists today, Andrew Frost, Nathan Rogers and Chris Borden of the Burnley Express. That's it for today. We'll be back next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonaynever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at NoNayNeverNet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.